Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Jobs to Journeys, a podcast about how people learn, grow, and find meaning in the workplace. My name is Gabe Gloga. Each week, I talk with my friend and co-host, Doug Weitz, about whatever topics we're wrestling with and try to help each other clarify these ideas and hopefully add a little knowledge and insight to the world of workplace learning. This week, we discuss going above and beyond. What does it mean to go above and beyond? Is it fair to ask your employees to do this? Can going above and beyond be measured? And if not, should we even be using this as criteria for motivation and reward? On the other hand, can we really just disregard the concept altogether? Won't that lead to widespread malaise and mediocrity? So come along as we explore all those questions, as well as how free coffee hurts the mission, the three components of ownership mentality, why no one chooses busboy as a career, how we outsource our sanity, and more. This podcast is brought to you by Cultivate Me, which helps companies create exciting career journeys for their people so they don't get bored and quit. If you're curious about any of the ideas we discuss on the show or you just want to connect, visit us on the web at cultivateme.xyz. And now, on to the show. Hello, Doug. Hello, Gabe. A fine morning. It is a fine morning. Um, it's crazy. It feels like June right now. <laughs> I know. Well, I know. not right now, but but this whole week, it's going to be yeah. like almost 80 degrees on the weekend. Yeah, it's been kind of heaven, and I'm just ignoring what it means for the planet. <laughs> I keep getting rewarded for procrastinating with my tomato plant. Oh, that thing is still going? Oh, man, it's like I got tomatoes coming out everywhere. They're not getting red, but it's 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 fruiting. It's fruiting. You know, if you pluck them and put them in a paper bag, they can they continue to. This is why I talked to you, Doug. I had no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. I mean, that, I, it seems to me that like if they're they're so late, they're probably going to be like hollow or dry or something. Yeah. But who knows? They seem pretty firm to me. But, uh, you know, I'll let you know how it goes. Maybe in the yes, next please, episode, we'll get a report me, back on the tomato plant. Please let me and our audience know. <laughs> I'm sure everybody is waiting with bated breath. Yes. On the edge <laughs> of their seat. What are yeah. we talking about today? you got a deep one. Yeah, I, this is one I've been think I've been thinking about for years. So uh, what I'm calling it is the tension between being taken advantage of and going above and beyond. And I can sort of unpack that a little bit at the outset to explain kind of where this came from. And um, as an employee within a workplace, yes, yes. From right. this is from the ex- from the perspective of an employee who has joined an organization. In my case, camp right? Um, uh-huh. So a counselor who has, who has signed up to be a counselor at camp, they know what they're going to get paid. They kind of know their job description. Although one of the things that we're very fond of saying at camp, because camp is a unique kind of place, is that like, there are going to be all sorts of things come, that come up that we couldn't possibly predict and put into a job description. Yeah, And the expectation is that you recognize that you're here for the kids 
and you're trying to give them the best experience possible. And so, you know, do it, even if it's not on your job description, you know? Um, yeah. But the tension comes from, and I, this is only something I've seen in recent years, I have to say, um, you know, in the, in the old days, and for, for listeners out there, I'm not that old, but in, there are old days in my, in my life. Um, in the old days, like people would just work their asses off in order to get noticed, not just in order to get noticed, partly because like they believed in the mission and all that stuff, but they wanted people to notice them and see that they were sort of the exception so that they could rise in the ranks and become part of the leadership team, you know, like, and they understood, there was sort of this unspoken understanding that first you do the job, then you get the job. Right. Mm. Now it's different. Uh, the attitude is much, and I'm not, I'm not judging this or disparaging it. It's just an observation. The attitude will, is more. I'll judge and disparage sure, yeah. when the time is right. The attitude is more, give me the job, give me the pay, and then I'll do it. And just trust me that I will start doing it at that point, right? So, and you know, this, this may speak to the whole idea of the employer's market versus employee's market, you know? Mm. Um, it's definitely more of an employee's market at the moment. Uh, and so maybe it'll swing back. But you know, as an employer, it's very difficult to sort of go, okay, you're not really putting in that much effort now, but I guess I'll trust that all of a sudden you'll turn the burners on once I give you the title and the pay, even though I'm really, you know, it's going to be totally unacceptable for me to pull it back. I can't pull it back. You know, I mean, I can, but like that would completely undermine who I want to be as a leader. Um, so you just kind of have to take this leap of faith or just say, no, I'm not giving you the raise or the or the title until I see something. Mm. But that anyway, that's where the tension is. It, and it's like. People don't want to be taken advantage of. Employees are often taken advantage of. And people want to go above and beyond, but there's sort of this attitude of like, okay, why should I go above and beyond? Like I'm getting paid for what I'm doing. I'm doing it. Why would I do more unless you're going to pay me more? So, you know that I roll uh, BJJ. Is that what I say? Is that what you say? I roll it. I play. I think, I think the correct verb is play. I play Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm not great by any means, but there is a belt system in it. Yep. And you have to earn the belt. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I like to say is if you're consistently getting, if you're consistently beating people who have a higher belt than you, someone's wearing the wrong belt. Um, <laughs> so if you're a white belt and you want to get to blue belt, like you have to be dominating other white belts and you have to be really challenging other blue belts mm -hmm. and maybe even beating a few. And then it's like, okay, this guy's a blue belt. Now let's, let's give it to him. What never happens is listen, trust me, just give me the belt and then I'll start, then I'll start getting better. Then I'll start beating yeah. other people. Right. 
Um, so, you know, to the degree that a raise or, or a title change is recognition of having reached a new level in terms of skills, abilities, dedication, commitment, follow through experience, all of that stuff, you need to bring some evidence to the table <laughs> before you get that. It's not like, well, you know, like the, the preemptive Nobel Peace Prize, you know, <laughs> let's I'll give it to this guy and hope he doesn't blow a bunch of shit up. You know, um, <laughs> I, I feel I feel the same way about it. And I feel like um, so. Well, I guess that's one side is like for me, I, I'm still torn. I haven't really sorted out my thoughts on this in any in any way. But there's the belt thing. And, and like you got to earn the belt before you get the belt. You got to right. show that you deserve the belt. Right. Um, on the other side, employment is very much a two sided marketplace. It's a negotiation. And it's something that you and I have talked about a lot around, you know, when we talk about the concept of a tour of duty. Right. It's not this sort of like, um, uh, what's the word? Um, not, not slavery, but the, the, the kind of system where you were tied to the land and tied to the landowner. Oh like, yeah. 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 Uh, um, I can't remember what it's called either, but go ahead. Surf. Like, like, you're not like a surf, you know, <laughs> where it's like um, <clears throat> one person's always calling the shots and you just kind of have to shrug your shoulders and do it as the employee. Right. It's, it's very much, look, I'm bringing something to the table as an employee that you value and you need, you have, you know, you're going to provide me something in return for that. Um, so it's a negotiation. It's a dialogue. And if if you're performing, then you know you maintain that sort of uh, that sort of leverage. Um, yeah, it's a two sided marketplace, I guess. Is all I've got on that for right now. Well, it's you know, and I think what it comes down to is like, what kind of environment are you trying to create? What kind of community are you trying to build in your organization? Right, because it definitely can be a surf kind of situation where you're like, I'm the boss. Here's the job, do the job or you, or you don't have the job anymore. And I don't really care about your complaints or, you know, whatever. And some people will stay and some people will sort of live in fear and because they really want the job or need the job or don't feel like they can get another job or whatever. You know, there's something about the job that like works for them. But people who have real potential to grow and lead and, you know, be sort of your greatest talent, they're going to go somewhere else for sure. Right. Because they don't, they're, they're not willing to live like that because they know that they bring value and that they have some leverage in that. Yeah. It's hard to talk about this in the abstract because I feel like there are a number of contexts in which the former position is, you know, acceptable to, to good talent. Um, I think about Wall Street. Uh, I think about uh, corporate consulting, uh, you know, like the big major corporate consulting firms. I think about, um, I think about being a Navy SEAL. Right. Where all of those are sort of environments that are kind of grueling from the employee standpoint. 
right? Um, you know, if it's finance or it's corporate consulting, uh, like you're coming in early, you're staying late, you get very little respect, generally speaking. I mean, people are kind of polite-ish, but, you know, you're doing the grunt work. It's grueling. Uh, it's crazy hours. The pay is great. Mm-hmm. And being there is a huge uh, badge on your resume, at least from the perception of, you know, the employee and their potential career path that, that they're, they're contemplating at that point, right? They're saying, look, I know this is going to suck for like five or six years, you know, but I'll make some bank. I can save some money. Um, and if I can stick it out, then I'm like, I'm good to go from a career standpoint. I can write my own ticket. I can get to that, you know, that kind of that next level and boom, I've got a path and I'm going to be, you know, well, and, and so, so let's say like, look, I know this sucks, but, but it's, I'm willing to make the trade. Your terms are acceptable. Yes. yes. Um, Same thing with Navy SEAL. It's, it's not necessarily about making bank, but it's about, it's about that badge. It's about pushing yourself. It's like knowing that the whole point of doing this is that it's going to be grueling and I am going to take orders from someone. Um, but I'm going to come out of it like an absolute beast, like just a machine that, that no one can kill, you know, that has supreme discipline, supreme confidence. And some people are willing to, you know, run that gauntlet. Um, uh, I, I guess what I feel like you're describing is, is a, a context in which that type of a culture is detrimental to the success of the business. That it's, it's like there's sort of a negative ROI in terms of talent flow, right? Like I, I imagine you're, this is a bit of a caricature, but you, you seem to be kind of setting up the sort of like, you know, money grubbing, selfish, nepotistic boss who just, you know, wants to like throw talent uh, at the problem in order to make a profit, you know, uh, all the while being completely blind to the fact that people are miserable and he's churning through uh, talent and his, his uh, you know, his talent acquisition costs are, are, th- are through the roof, but, um, but it's profitable. So like, who cares? It doesn't, you know, doesn't really matter. The human yeah, maybe, cost is not of a concern. Maybe my example is too cartoonish, but I, it occurs to me that the difference between what you described and what I described is that yours has an upward mobility to it. You know, like there's a, I'll do this for now and then I'll be able to X, you know, Whereas in my description, I pictured it as sort of a dead end. Like you either do it or you, right. you know, and you don't leave with a golden ticket. You just leave. It, I, I did not mean to paint your situation as cartoonish, although I clearly did. No, no, no. That, that wasn't my intention. Like there are absolutely organizations out there that are like that. We've seen them, you know, um, and it's sad. Uh, it, it's really it's really too bad. But I want to bring it back a little bit. Let me rewind it for a sec, because I actually want to talk about this very narrow place. Yeah. Um, This sort of space between, I'm thinking of it as, right? Where the boss, like, this is an oversimpl, a ridiculous oversimplification, but like, essentially, the boss's job is to set expectations. Gabe, I have hired you, I'm your boss. Here is what I expect you to do for this much money and, you know, these benefits and whatever. Okay. And you, you understand, I understand in an ideal world, like we have a shared understanding of what the expectations are. And then all I'm really looking for, and this is a very common thing that I see. 
I'm not looking for you to do the job we just agreed upon. Yes, I'm looking for you to do the job we just agreed upon. But what I'm really looking for is, is Gabe the kind of guy that goes above and beyond? Is Gabe the kind of guy who does more than the expectations? And that's that space between the top of expectations, meaning you're doing exactly what I've asked you to do perfectly. And the, dis- the distance between that point and doing more than expectations, that little space in between is what I really want to kind of dig into. Like why, if the boss wants more than the expectations, why not just make the expectations more <laughs> in the first place, right? Yeah. And I, I suspect that if the expectations were made more, the boss would still be looking for more than that, right? There's always sort of this like, I want to see if Gabe's the kind of guy who's going to do more than what I ask him for the same amount of money. Like, I'm not going to give him more money, right? So like, he has to give more, but I don't give more, right? And so I'm trying to sort of like understand, and I have, I am both in my little world at camp, you know, I am the boss and I am the one who I look for people who go above and beyond. I do. I'll admit it right now. Um, But I also am sort of the defender of the people kind of character. And I'm always thinking like, am I taking advantage of people? Should I be paying them for, you know, like for, I'll give you an example. Um, I tell everybody to come in, be in at 8.30 at the latest, right? You get paid from 8.30. But I'll be damned if I don't really appreciate the people who get in at 8.15 and really kind of, not resent, that's too strong of a word, but kind of go, hmm, interesting, to the people who get there at exactly 8.30, right? No, they're getting there at 8.30. I told them to get there at 8.30. I did say 8.30 at the latest, right? So they're pushing it to the absolute edge, but they're not disobeying orders. They're not not doing what I asked them to do. So why am I, why do I have a problem with people who do exactly what I asked them to do and not more than what I asked them to do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, this is so deep. Like, God, my neurons are firing everywhere on this because I think about sales compensation. What we're talking about is is setting incentives uh-huh. in the right way, you know. And in one of the places where I've seen a lot of this uh, is around sales compensation, setting sales targets, and then how much you get compensated for going over those targets, and the sort of strategic planning and forecasting process that goes into that. And then you know, de- debating well, you know, if if I missed my targets. Is that entirely my fault or were there larger market forces that were out of my control? You know, COVID's a great example of that. Yeah. I didn't hit my sales targets because the whole world shut down, right. you know, and so nobody was buying it. Right. So could you please pay me anyway? Or oh, it's unfair that I didn't get it, you know, um, it, or in vice versa, you know, like, Oh, John hit his sales targets. Cause it's got the sweetest territory on the whole team, uh-huh. everybody's loaded and they just throw money at them. Whereas I've got to go, you know, ground around for the scrounge around, scrounge. Uh, 
for, you know, tight fisted, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's so much. I also think about, um, I think about sales copy, writing ad copy and anchoring, you know, if I say, um, you know, it, it used to be, uh, 1095. Now it's 1495. People are like, Oh, geez, that's not a deal. <laughs> But if I said we were selling it for a hundred dollars, but for the next 48 hours, it's only 1495. You'd be like, oh my God, what an amazing deal. <laughs> I better act now. Right. It's like it's all about anchoring. It's all about setting those sort of parameters and framing the situation for like what does it mean to go above and beyond? You know, if you said, look, everybody actually parents show up at 8:30. And so I need everyone here at 8:15, you know, and now. Now you got to get here by eight o'clock if you want to go above and beyond. Exactly. You so, know, like it's just this. Yeah, it's <laughs> shifting of the goalposts. You know, right? And if and and the truth is, like, if I'm if I'm really honest with myself, if everybody showed up at eight fifteen, I'd be looking for the peop the few people who show up at eight. And so it's, why? So I guess my question is like, why? And I'm using myself just as a stand-in because I've experienced this, and I'm trying to be like very. Um, you know, self-reflective about it. But like, I am not alone in this by any means. Employers are always asking for, or not even asking explicitly, but just looking for the people who go above and beyond. And the question is, what are they really looking for? What are they looking for when they're looking for that 815 person or that person who, you know, gets more than their sales? I think I have an answer, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Here's the thing. It's, it's, it's normative versus summative testing. Mm. Going above and beyond is not some sort of absolute value. It's relative to the community. It's, you know, sanity is not uh, an independent, logical process in the mind. Sanity is entirely socially constructed. Um, when people say, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, it's because no one else is doing the thing that they're doing or feels the way that they feel. And so what, why am I saying that? Um, so what is acceptable, what is going above and beyond is not in relation to, as it's not in relation to the boundary set within a particular employment agreement. It's not about showing up at 8.15 because the boss said 8.30. It's about who's doing a little bit more than everyone else. Yeah. Right. And if those goalposts shift, if 8.30 goes to 8.15, then just as you said, you're looking for the people that show up at 8 o'clock because what most other people are doing is showing up at 8.15. Yeah. And what you're looking, what I think I'm looking for, and I wonder if this translates into what other people are looking for. What I'm looking for is people who have owner mentality versus employee mentality, right? And I define those as like employee mentality is like, I'm an employee. I will do what you ask me to do. You will pay me what you promise to pay me. And that's it. Like, this isn't my life. This is my job. I'm out of here, right? Owner Ownership or owner mentality is like, I will do whatever I have to do in order to make sure we are successful as an organization because I feel ownership over the success of this organization. Whether I actually literally own a piece of it or not, 
I wouldn't say it's irrelevant. It's definitely relevant, but set that aside for the moment. You can certainly have owner mentality without actually having a stake in the organization. But ownership mentality is shown when you do things that are beyond what you have to do, you know, because that's where, that's the only place where you can really make visible, like, I get it. Like, I get that we are trying to accomplish something here and I get that this thing needs to be done and I'm going to do it because who else is going to do it if I don't do it? Like I'm, I'm, you know, the sweeper, Mm. like I'm, I'm back here with, with the owners because I feel like one of them. And so, you know, the ideal scenario for me at camp is to make, make it so that everybody feels this owner mentality. But I think I may be making a big mistake in looking for it in people going above and beyond versus, I don't know, creating some sort of incentive. See, but the problem is the second you put an incentive in place, then people aren't doing it necessarily because they feel ownership, they're doing it for the incentive, right? And the, and the reward, as we going back to the beginning of our conversation, the reward is when I identify someone as, as having an owner mentality, those are the people who are getting promoted. They don't know that. I don't make it explicit. I don't say, if you come in at 8.15 instead of 8.30, even though you only have to come in at 8.30, then you will get promoted. Because if I did that, it would be an explicit incentive and they'd be doing it for the, in, for the reward. So it almost needs to be like this secret where like you do something for the right reasons because you feel this owner mentality, you want us to be successful as an organization. But pst, when you do, there's going to be a reward. I just can't tell you about it yet or you'll be doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um. Oh, so much fun. So why, what is ownership mentality? If we break that down, what are the traits of ownership mentality? Uh, I'll throw a couple out. Um, I think one is pride in your work. For sure. Seeing your work, your output, your deliverables as an extension of yourself, your identity, um, as, as representative of you, as, as your reputation, your legacy. You know, I mean, legacy might be a bit of a strong word, but like I, you know, someone who sees bad work and says, I I wouldn't want to put my name on that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's definitely one of them. I think another one is a sense of uh, community service or servant leadership, but it's it's a sense that like uh, I care about helping you. I care about the customer. I care about their experience. I care about making sure that what I'm delivering is of genuine value. I, I, if people don't like what's delivered, I take that personally. It, it bothers me. It upsets me somehow. Um, that's, that's another one. And then I think a third has to do with, I hate this word, being a self-starter. Um, I suppose it's like, it's kind of like a bias to action. It's kind of, uh, you know, asking for permission for forgiveness rather than permission. Um, you see a problem and you don't think like, well, is this my job or not? You just 
go try and solve it. You know, yeah. those are the three that stand out to me. Yeah. I, you know, there's definitely an, an, an initiative. There's an initiative piece to this. And the way I'm sort of thinking of the term initiative is that like you initiate it versus it being, it's, you know what it is? It's, um, it's, uh, internal motivation versus external motivation, right? Right, I want to believe that you are internally motivated to do what you're doing. Uh, I, if, because if I feel like you're only externally motivated, the, the goalposts are going to keep getting moved. Like I'm going to have to keep incentivizing you more and differently and, you know, more money and more whatever uh, forever because you're only doing it because of external motivation. Like one of the things around campus here at camp is like, if there's a piece of garbage on the ground, whose job is it to pick it up, right? I don't put pick up garbage in the job description of counselor, right? Because that's not really the essence of the job, right? The essence of the job is working with kids, making them feel confident, creating psychological safety, you know, supporting your teammates, all that stuff. But as an organization like we want to we want to be the kind of place we want to spend time right we want this campus to feel like a paradise and so if you happen to be walking by a piece of garbage like i can't make you pick it up i don't want to make you pick it up i want you to pick it up because you recognize that it runs afoul of the environment in which you want to live. Yeah. You know, so, so like I, I, something just occurred to me that I might actually use at orientation next year, which is like, go above and beyond. But if you're only going above and beyond because you want some kind of external reward, don't go above and beyond. Don't bother. Like that's not the kind of above and beyond we're looking for. We're looking for people who go above and beyond because they recognize that they're a part of this team, they're a part of this community, and they want to make this community better for themselves and everybody around them. And if that's why you're going above and beyond, you're never going to feel bitter. You're never going to feel um, taken advantage of because you're doing it for yourself. Like you're a part of this community too. I think... I think you should stop using the term above and beyond. I think that's where one of the big hangups is coming because it inherently points back to the job description and this little fence that you've, that we've built around it. Right. Yes. Um, I think what what you're getting at is um, trying to elevate their paradigm to having ownership of the mission. Right. That, um, you're not just a cog in a wheel of a big machine. Here is the mission. Here is the vision. Every single one of us contributes to that and is responsible for that. And I expect you to, to find ways that you can contribute to that mission. Now, I've given you a job description that lays out a lot of very obvious ways that you can do that. Um, and the ways that you will be doing it most often and that I feel you are best suited to doing that. But it's really about the mission. So it makes me think of three things. How do we create that? Or what contributes to that ownership mentality? 
if you will. Um, and I, I think of three things. One is that it, it just comes pre-programmed, right? Some people were yes. raised that way. That's like the set of values that drives them. They, you know, they've built a certain paradigm around what it means to have a job or what it means to contribute value or what it means to be part of an organization, right? And so they just sort of show up like that. Um, another is the culture that you create, which is kind of a vague phrase, but I guess it's kind of like what I'm, what I was just saying. It's, it's, it's the proclamations that you set. It's the values that you, that you profess. It's the way that you frame someone's membership within this organization. Right. And then the third, which is closely related to that, is how managers unwittingly disincentivize that. Mm. If you've tried to go, I almost said it. <laughs> uh, if you've if you've tried to take ownership of the mission and been repeatedly smacked down for it, oh, that, why would you do that? That's that was a terrible idea. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. No. Oh, well, I appreciate the development, but it was, it was all wrong. You know, people are going to stop taking ownership. Yes. You know, they say, well, look, I mean, I, I sent you three plans about solving a problem that I noticed and no one else has. And three other people said they were good, but you as the manager are, you know, insecure or overwhelmed and you shot it down. So like, I guess I won't be sharing any great ideas. I mean, psychological safety has a lot to do with it in that big regard. time. Well, yeah. And, and, uh, and, a uh, um, you know, there's like a training, like you're being trained out of having ownership mentality and you're right. I have seen, I have been a part of organizations cause I, I am one of those people who I don't know that I was like, you know, raised this way or whatever, but like, I, I can't help. Like if I'm going to be a part of the organization, I'm only doing it because I care about the mission of the organization. Like that's the reason I'm taking the job. So I'm going to instantly start trying to make things better in any way I can, whether it's like the mission of the organization or whether it's like, improving the coffee machine, you know, or the coffee area where people get, get coffee so that it's more pleasant for people to get coffee. Like, I, I don't care. Nothing's like beneath me. Like I'm going to do whatever, you know? Um, so, but if, but I've been in organizations where like, that's not really welcome. Like they're sort of like, what are you doing? Or like, you know, like in, 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 well, in teaching, it's definitely not welcome because there's a whole union mentality where it's like, why are you doing that? You're making the rest of us look bad because we're not doing it, right? Which sucks. Yeah. Oh, man. That's but, e but even when even when there isn't that kind of, um, you know, sort of formal uh, structure around it, there there are there is that attitude sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it, I think, comes down to fit too. I mean, how does any of this relate to turning jobs into journeys, right? It's when you see people that are not quote going above and beyond, it's usually because they're kind of checked out for some reason. Yeah. They're not passionate about it. Either their, their, their personal mission isn't aligned with the mission of the company. And so they feel like, ah, it's just a job. It's just a paycheck, right? Or they've been smacked down a number of times by a manager uh, for going above and beyond. So they've been sort of trained to like just sit down, shut up and do your job. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or there's been this kind of 
poisonous culture of like, you're making the rest of us look bad. Stop being so amazing, please. You know, <laughs> it's this sort of social pressure uh, that smacks it down. And so, um, so I think that's one of the things you always want to be scanning for, you know, bored people quit, I suppose is, is another thing that comes up, but you want to be scanning for fit and, and you want to measure that. One of the ways you really want to measure that is passion. Yeah. You have passion for being in this place for the, the larger mission of the company and for how you're contributing to that. Yeah. And you know, you know, what occurs to me is that like, there is a, a skills gap aspect to this, right? Like what you want to reward in people who show that ownership mentality is the initiative and the desire to do more and contribute more. But there are cases where like, they just don't know how to do that thing yet. Yeah. And they would actually be undermining the image of the brand or the, you know, the organization if they did it because they do it poorly because they don't know how to do it yet. Right. Like I remember when I was a busboy in a restaurant and I think restaurants are secretly like the perfect example for almost everything. But when I was a busboy, which really the job is like collect the dishes off the table, you know, bring them into the dish room, put them in the dish rack when they're clean, bring them back out and put them in the racks, you know, uh, that's kind of, and be kind of invisible. Like customers shouldn't be communicating with bus boys or even really seeing them, you know? Um, but I remember like, I wanted to do everything, you know? And so I, I guess I had a really great, they weren't really my bosses, but like the waiters, you know, who, uh, were above me in certain ways, uh, you know, they would say, okay, look, you can bring out the desserts, you know, like when a dessert is ready, bring it out to the table, flash them a friendly smile, go back to your job, you know, but like they gave me a little something that I could do that was beyond my job that made me feel like I could play, I, I could feed channel this energy somewhere, you know, somewhere useful and, and that was contributing, right? If they had just said, stop it, just clean the tables and bring the dishes into the dish room. You're driving me nuts, right? I would have been totally disincentivized and pretty quickly would, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I wasn't going to be a career bus boy. Like I was going places pretty quickly. I would have been like, I'm leaving, you know, yeah. um, this stinks. Like I don't, I didn't like, I know I signed up to be a bus boy, but I didn't think I would just be able to be a bus boy. You signed up for the journey, not the job. Yes. Right. Yes. So there are times I don't have to go soon. So uh, I'll, I'll try and bring my thoughts to a close on this. But there are definitely times when going above and beyond, so to speak, is inappropriate. And yeah. I and I think you make a great point that a lot of it has to do with skills or it has to do with perspective. You know, if you sat down with a barista at Starbucks and you said it's a person working the, the drive through. Right. And you said, listen, our goal is to delight customers. And so I want you to look for ways that you can delight customers in every little moment of your interactions with them. And he's like, you got it, boss. <laughs> and for the rest of the day, he just gives everyone free coffee, <laughs> you know? And he's like, people are loving this place. And like, yes, but we're going broke. Yes. So I appreciate the effort, but that's not the right way to do it. Let me give you some guidance, you know, yes. for how to go up, uh, about that mission in a slightly different way, you know? Um, so there, yeah, I, I, I like what you said about recognizing the the desire recognizing the energy and the direction but being able to channel it in the right way and i think that 
that is a big part of what the art of great management is all about, is to be on the lookout for, sensitive to those things, and be able to steer them in the right way and, and find where somebody's edge is and help them grow, be, grow beyond that. Yeah, and, and you, I think you hit the nail on the head with the jobs to journeys uh, sort of answer. You know, how does this relate to jobs to journeys? Like, if someone is looking to do more than the minimum expectations, what they're really saying is, I want a journey here, right? And you want people to want that, right? Because if people are looking for a journey and you don't provide it to them, they're going to go find the journey somewhere else because they need a journey. Or right? they'll stay here and become stale. Oh, totally. And become that poisonous part of the culture that says, stop going on a journey. You're making me look bad. Yeah. Or, but but the, other, the other side of that is like, if as a leader, as a manager, as whatever, you can recognize when people have that kind of owner mentality or looking for journeys and go, awesome, I've been looking for you for a long time. Let's do this. I will help guide you. I'll give you opportunities, whatever. They're going to stay forever for as long as you want them, you know, as long as they want to be there. Like it's, that's the, that's going to be gold for everyone. It's going to be great for them because they feel like they're on a journey and that's what people want, we believe. And it's going to be great for you because as long as you guide them effectively, you're channeling their energy into doing all sorts of wonderful things for the organization. Awesome. I'm so glad you brought up this topic. This was, I was swimming at the beginning, but now, uh, now I feel enlightened. This is great. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Gabe, for helping me work through some of my thinking here. You got it. All right. Talk to you next time. Okay. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Jobs to Journeys. I hope you found it fun and insightful. If you want to learn more about the Cultivate Me method of turning jobs into journeys and our Iris platform that allows you to take a selfie of your skills, visit us on the web at cultivateme.xyz or send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. Be well, and I'll see you in the next episode.